Well, for those of you online and in the room, most of you know me, but online, I just want to let you know the reason that I do this is I really love Jesus. And I, he is my Lord and personal Savior, and I'm extremely passionate about that. But I don't ever stand in this spot because I've got it figured out. I know how to fix it all, or I know everything. I am certain. There's only one thing I'm sure of. There is a God. I'm not him. So I'm just going to share my journey with you today. So I hope you guys can kind of receive where I'm at. Because I learned a long time ago, I had the joy and privilege of interviewing Billy Graham. And he said, always pay attention to what's being preached because it's probably going on at home. All right? So instead of avoiding it, I'm just going to roll with it, all right? And I have a feeling some of us are maybe in the same situation. Is that, have I, have I gone too far? Have I, have I gone astray? Am I going to lead you, lead you somewhere you don't want to go today? But I'm going to talk about stress and instincts. You know, and the scripture that I've kind of based this on is in Philippians, and it says, I have not reached my goal. I am not perfect, but Christ has taken hold of me. So I'm not standing here today with it all figured out. I'm on a journey with you. And every day I fall short and every day the Lord picks me up and forgives me for the things that I've done and says, hey, I've got you. Come on. I'm not giving up. Don't you give up either. So this is what stress is kind of like to me. Sometimes it's caused by the things you fear are lurking. It's not necessarily the stuff you see, but it's the stuff you think might be coming or the stuff that might happen. There's a, a real spiritual word for that. They call it vain imagination, where all of a sudden you let what you think could happen exceed the power of God. So I want to just kind of start with where we're going to end today. There is nothing far more than you can ask or think he will do for you in both directions. So as deep as you can go, he can reach deeper. And as high as you can think, he can go beyond that. But I wanted to start with something that I saw a few years ago that I thought was kind of interesting that kind of goes along with my little chart graphic of stress. This guy is one of the world's best surfers. I don't know if you saw this a couple years ago. It was live television. He was, you know, he's known for doing all sorts of crazy things in deep water. And then in the, the middle of that live broadcast, there was this. It's not Photoshop. This is South Africa. The coast of South Africa is one of those places where if you want to be eaten by a great white shark, go swimming at sunset. All right? They're out there feeding. Live television. I brought, I had the clip, but I'm not going to show it to you because really all it is is kind of like one of those shows you see on TV. Because everybody is freaking out on live TV. They don't know what to do. So he's swimming around, kind of doing his thing, waiting for a wave. His back is to the shark. All of a sudden on live TV, you see this enormous thing come up out of the water. And that's just a piece of it. This was a great white shark. He felt something touch the back of his leg. And instinctively, he knew something was not right. And he began to flail and fight and kick and pound. The shark swam away. He got up, and the only thing that was broken was the tether between him and his board. His name is Mick Fanning. Live television. The moment after it happened, the shark came from behind me, he said, and I instinctively lifted my leg out of the way, and I started punching it. I just sort of went into fight or flight. He did not sit in that water thinking, well, it's really deep, I might drown. He was not worried about swimming. He was not worried about surfing. He was not worried about his board. He was worried about his life. And something kicked in, and all that time spent in the water, 
made him comfortable enough to know, I am going to do something drastic. Something drastic. And so as he began, went into that fight or flight mode, all of a sudden it was really interesting. You were expecting the worst because typically in live television, when you have something bad happen, you zoom in on it because everybody wants to see that. But as they saw the shark coming for him, they feared the worst because they'd seen it so often. They pulled back to that extreme shot where you see the beach and all the ants, all the little people on the beach, because they knew something horrible was happening. And then the minute they saw him come back up, they zoomed back in again in amazement. Oh my gosh, we cannot believe that this happened. That somewhere in his instinct, somewhere in all that training of all that swimming, his reaction was enough to fend off something that literally wanted to eat him. Sports reporter wrote, this fight or flight stress response that Fanning referred to as like a, a human superpower, it's designed to save your life. It, it's powerful hormones like adrenaline and they surge into your bloodstream. And then they amplify your heart rate and your muscle strength and your metabolism. All of a sudden cortisol floods within you and the glucose and it gives you this energy burst. And as you start to breathe faster, the oxygen boosts your brain. You become on a high sense of alert. It sharpens your senses. Your immune system revs up, mustering troops and parts of your body at high risk of being wounded. And in that moment, you are operating on instinct with no time for complex thought processing. That's a long explanation for you just do what you need to do to survive. But what I found interesting is how wonderfully God has created us that all of these complex systems in our bodies come together to give us that moment. But then right here, no time for complex thought processing. He didn't survive because he outthought it. He didn't survive because he outworried it. He didn't survive because he stayed on the beach. He survived because he reacted. He did what he thought was best at that moment. You're saying, what does it have to do with, with my faith and walk with God? We need to get somewhere in our process, and our walk with the Lord, that we are not limiting ourselves with complex thought processing. That relationship you have with God needs to in, intently show you what to do in each moment that you're in a, a stressful situation, or you're in a complex situation, or you're just in that moment where you're uncertain what to do, and you've got to go with what you know. You better know who you know so you know what you know. Because without the who, some of what may not be very good. Instinct with no time for complex thought. He didn't have time to go. It's a big shark. Fin looks big. I don't know. Maybe it's a tuna. I don't know. Maybe he's just curious. There was no time for any of that. That nonsense that we do on a daily basis with every situation in our life. It was, I would like to live to surf another day. Personally, I wouldn't want to surf anymore, but he went out that afternoon. Continued. <laughs> no way. All right, sorry, that's just me. So when they interviewed him on camera a few minutes later and he came to shore, he was still stunned. He was like, I it was just instinct. It wasn't a, well, I had the, you know, neoprene thing on, and my surfboard is made of, like, trippy poly, you know. And it was no surfer lingo, yo, dude. No, it was, wow, wow. I don't know if he's a Christian. I don't know if he knows God. 
but I'm certain he called his name at some point in that process. Okay? All right? Instinct. An instinct is a fixed pattern of behavior. It happens naturally without you even thinking about it. Instinct. And sometimes it has to do with the, the things you do on a regular basis. It's just instinct. You know, somebody that plays ball a lot, somebody throws something to them, they instinctually catch it. They don't have to think about it, nothing. It's just like a, a reaction. Instinct. Now, Christian, well, that's a willing, willing follower of Christ who believes, lives, and guides their lives by his teaching. They believe that he, he died on the cross, that he rose from the dead, that he, he, his blood has covered their sin, that they are saved, healed, and delivered in Jesus' name. They, they accept his truth as their truth, and they live by it. That's When we say we're a Christian, that's what we're saying. But where it gets complicated is do we follow our natural instincts when it comes to difficult and stressful situations and people? Or do we follow Jesus and his example? When stressed, how fine-tuned are our instincts? Again, I'm not standing here in judgment of anybody today. I know that on a daily basis, I have to fine-tune the pencil. I have to sharpen every day that instrument. Because some days it's dull. Nicholas will attest to it. Some days I say, honey, I got one nerve left, and you are stomping on it. And is that, I, I'm not trying to be disingenuous in my faith. I'm being real with you. If anybody ever told you the minute you said, yes, Lord, I need you. Please accept me. I want to be part of your kingdom. I believe you're my Lord and personal Savior. That in a moment, a magic wand, almost Disney-like swoosh would happen. And nothing bad would happen. You'd never lose your temper. You'd never be upset. You'd never be angry. You'd never be frustrated. They lied to you. As much as Jesus loves you, he wants you to have the ability to make decisions and understand how to have a relationship with somebody. Because when you love somebody, you want desperately to please them. You want to do the right thing. And even if the people we love most in our lives, we fall short. And we have to fix it. Am I speaking to myself or is anybody else here ever, ever lived in that situation? All right? Jesus, when he comes to us, when he came to us and comes to us on a daily basis, it is really accepting of whatever you got. Whatever you came in here with today, he'll take it. Whatever problem you've got, he'll take it. Whatever it is that's on your heart and worrying you, he'll take it. He doesn't grab it, but he'll take it. There has to be a willingness on your part to give it. And sometimes we get in control freak mode and we're so busy worrying about all the scenarios and having our complicated thought processes that we need to think it all out before we give it. And then we wonder why we end up here. Our grip on life. Nobody else ever been here? <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I just it could be just me. I don't know. All right, so I looked it up because, you know, you get in those moments where you're like, maybe it is just me. And then I realized that so Google said yesterday there are 15 million sites with solutions for stress. So I'm going to guess it's more than just me because if I'm the only person in that market, they've wasted a lot of time because I haven't looked at most of them. So there's, there's 15 million sites. Sometimes we're our own worst enemy when it comes to stress. The, the fact is much of our stress is unnecessary. All right? So does that mean as Christians we, we don't worry and fret? I wish I could say, oh, no, you never do that again once you accept Jesus. But that's not true. It's a choice. It's a decision. It's a discipline where you have to make yourself not go in the natural path of fear and fret. That path is well-worn. 
But when you're going on the path of, all right, Lord, I'm going to go against every bone in my body that says I should be worried about this, and I'm going to keep going this way. You're bushwhacking. I don't know if you've ever been hiking or not, but when you go off the trail and you're having a... You hope there's been people there ahead of you to blaze the trail. But more often than not, the path of worry, fear, and dread is well-worn. And if you tell somebody, hey, you know, I had this, this thing, and it was right here, and it's kind of a scratch, and you don't even get out of your mouth that you scratched it on the fence post. But they're already on WebMD, and they've already got your diagnosis, and they're going, oh, well, that started like, just like that one, so-and-so. And they have a horrible story. That is so informative because we're trying to be helpful and, and just prepare you for what might come. What happened to preparing people for hope? What happened to that? What happened to saying, hey, it's like when I talk to my dad. I can say, well, you know, I can look at the records. I can see what's going on. I see the prognosis. I see the age. I can walk in there and say, well, but no, every day I go in there, hey, you're going to get up. Let's go. Let's walk. Let's try. Let's go. I know it may be one or two steps. Which to you and I in a day is insignificant. But to him right now, that's efforts. So we're going to take a step and we're going to go and we're going to be excited about it. Even though my natural is saying, holy moly, this is complicated. This is hard. My natural is saying, wow, is this the last day or is this the first day of the, of the next week? I don't know where I'm at in this process. So all of a sudden, we start squeezing this weird thing, and the people in our lives start feeling the pinch. I saw this. It was the number one downloaded thing for stress, and I thought I'd share it with you. If you're at home, feel free to print it out. I don't know that it's necessary, but hey, it says bang your head here, and you place it on a firm surface. Follow the directions. Repeat if necessary. If you pass out, you're probably done with the process. Okay? If that's the solution to stress, but how many of us in a moment have said, I may as well just bang my head on the table or hit my head on the side of the house because nobody's listening to me. Nobody's following directions. There's always a moment of frustration. I, you know, I, you know, I could, you know, I used to remember when I was little, my dad would say, I could talk to a goose and they would listen quicker than y'all would because, you know, we were all doing our own thing. So worry. Let's talk a little about worry and stress. I found, by the way, go together when you Google them. So, uh, did you know that 40% of the things you worry about never happen? I'll never forget, I was in a Dale Carnegie class and I was about 15 or 16 years old and they presented a similar statistic. And there was a, a lady in the group and she said, well, what about the other 60%? I mean, she had already made done the math and transitioned to, well, 40%, but I'm covering my bases. 60%. 30% is about old decisions that we can't change. You worry about what shoulda, coulda, woulda. And if I had a, and I probably would have, but the truth is, you can't do nothing about it. But we worried about it anyway. We, we deal in the hypothetical, the wonderland of, of what if. 23% centers on the criticism made by others. And that number's going up, by the way, thanks to social media, because everybody gets to have an opinion about you. Okay? Simply this or that, and our days are somehow thrust into chaos because somebody gave us a thumbs down or didn't notice our post. They must not love us anymore. Give me a break. Okay? If just like today, we don't have any AC today, so if you're at home and you're sitting over an air conditioner bed, God bless you. But the <laughs> but the point is we have this, if everything electronic went down, if you're dependent on that or to determine whether you've got value, you've missed it. Because every day the sun comes up, that's all that's God's way and a big way to go. Glad you're here. Breathe in and out and enjoy it. Big thumbs up from Jesus today, okay? 
And then you keep moving on. Everybody from that point is insignificant in comparison. Only 10% were health-related things people identified. 8% of what we worry about are legitimate problems. And then a stat that was not in there that you need to know is 100% are covered by the blood of Jesus. Okay? So we break it all down, but when we come back to the full loop of understanding who we are in Christ, no matter how much time I spend on all these things, 100% of it's covered by the blood of Jesus. I cannot outthink or imagine the blood of Jesus. So how we respond to stress in our lives is not only important physically, but spiritually. It influences our relationship with God, and it can literally become a part of our witness. It's a living proof of the power of a resurrection in our life or not. It's like I was telling somebody yesterday, I, I read a joke, a little story, and it was a lady, you know, she was sitting at the stoplight, she was in a hurry, and the stoplight turned, and the guy in front of her didn't go, and she was honking her horn and screaming and hollering and pitching a fit and raging and just, I mean, and behind her pulled a police officer. Well, he saw her freaking out. He got out and tapped on the window, and he arrested her. He took her to jail. And he later, about three hours later, he pulled her out the tank and he said, Ma'am, I'm really sorry. The car came back registered to you. And she said, what? And he said, well, I pulled up behind you and I saw, follow me to Sunday school, bumper sticker. I saw, what would Jesus do? I saw the giant fish. I saw the name of the church. And I looked at what you were doing and said, the car's got to be stolen. So that's where we have to be careful sometimes. And I remember every day when I worked at CBN, every day, and I've told you this, Psalm 91 would run me off the road almost every day. The peace of the Lord was driving on the road, but they were in a hurry. They weren't going to CBN. They were going to Oceana or someplace like that. They got off at that exit. But it was almost like no matter what, how I timed my day, there should be... I was, I was I'm like, Lord, I need to read that a lot, I guess, because she's going to cut me off no matter where I go. But... Uh, we have to be careful that in our daily lives, when we don't quite make it from the resurrection power of Jesus being evident and we miss it and it's not quite so evident that we have common sense enough to realize that God will forgive you, that Jesus loves you, forgive what you need to forgive, forget what you need to forget, apologize where you need to fix it, but don't let it just simmer. Don't let it turn into a bigger thing than it needs to be. So I want to ask you something. How much, you know, when you look at a bottle of water, and all y'all are pretty smart, how heavy is this glass of water? All right, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to cheat and do that because I'm afraid I'm going to spill it. So how heavy do you think that glass of water is? What do you think? All right, see, we have one smart smarty looking at the bottle. What do you think? I messed up your calculation. Now figure it out. How much is the bottle? <laughs> All right. So, any thoughts? What? what? So maybe a, a pound? You think? Depends on how heavy the glass is. Depends on how much the water is. Depends on how much the bottle weighs. How much did I just drink? All right. So we found a way pretty quickly to complicate a really simple question, which is just guess how much you think this would be. But we went into we analyze everything as human beings. We, we just got to know. We got to be smart. We got to be science, right? Well, if it wasn't so hot, I'd make you hold this, Thomas, and I'd fill it in. But I'm trying to go a little quicker for everybody today. It really doesn't matter how much the water weighs. 
What really matters is how long you hold it. Eight ounces of water, glass is really light. So I got about 10 ounces in my hand. Right now it's not a big deal, right? Well, for now it's not a problem, but I'll tell you, Thomas, stand here and hold it exactly like this and I'll see you in about an hour. This, this eight ounces just got painful. And then I'm going to come back and say, Thomas, don't you do that. You go to work, you carry it around with you. I want it exact same angle. Don't you spill a drop? I'm going to measure it. And in about a week, we'll probably have to call the ambulance because your elbow's locked up. In each case, it's the same weight. It's the amount of time you hold on to it. The longer you hold on to it, the heavier it gets. It really doesn't matter how heavy it is. It can be the littlest thing, but you hold on to it long enough, it gets heavier and heavier and harder and harder to deal with, harder to get rid of. And that's what it is with stress. If we carry our burdens, no matter how small, all the time, they become increasingly heavy, and eventually we won't be able to carry on. And we'll say things like, I don't know how to start it. I don't know where I went. I don't know what happened. I don't know how I got here. But little by little, drop by drop, every day, a little bit of unforgiveness, a little bit of worry, a little bit of fear, a little bit of something body disappointing you, and it all drop, drop, drop in the glass. And the next thing you know, you're at the, I just can't do it anymore. I just can't do it anymore. So those little pebbles of life that we pick up, those little moments, those, those insignificant little things that kind of left you with that little twinge of something's not right or I don't really trust them anymore or whatever. Those little teeny weeny things that you kind of pebble in your pocket, just something to remember, I'm going to file that back here. I know now I cannot trust you here. We start putting all those little pebbles in our pockets. Before we know it, we, we got this. We're spending our whole lives keeping the boulder up. Where the kickstand? I remember Miles told me it was kind of funny one day. I was standing outside and he said, "You know, somebody." He said somebody at work had a shovel, and he, he was just standing there. And he said, "You know, a kickstand's only three dollars." <laughs> he was letting him know, you know, hey, you need to get moving. You need to do something because anybody can just stand there. Anything can just stand there. But this is where we end up putting ourselves. We end up making ourselves kind of the, the kickstand for the pressure in life. We we feel like this becomes more important to keep from crushing us. But truthfully, had we dealt with them back here, we wouldn't have had the boulder. So if there's somebody that's hurt you, forgive them. If there's something that needs to be done, do it. If there's something you need to get over, get over it. Not for them as much as it is, and it is for them also, but it's for you. You can eliminate some of the stress that's trying to roll you over by eliminating some of the things you've let get out of proportion. Stress really isn't caused by our circumstances, but rather our instincts and the response to those circumstances, and it's driven by our beliefs. So the goal isn't to change the circumstance, but to change the way you perceive and respond to our circumstances through faith. So today, no air conditioning. We can sit here, moan, and complain, but I'll be really honest with you as I'm standing here sweating my head off. I am thinking of a time when I was in the Philippines, and at the same time, this very same sound I hear in this room was going on. I had chickens running in front. <laughs> Dirt was on the floor. And this wasn't an anomaly. This was a daily. And this was cool because the church had a fan in the ceiling that made the same noise like an airplane about to take off from the tent around this room, but it was one. So it also had that sense of uncertainty of third world electronics that at any point, something bad was going to happen. 
But the chickens loved it. And the people praised the Lord. And people were delivered and healed and saved. And they realized that Jesus loved them. And it had nothing to do with our comfort. It had everything to do with our character. So Jesus doesn't want us to be stressed out. This is something I'm looking at in my own life as I'm dealing with all sorts of things and every caveat. I've told people this week, I feel like an octopus and all my legs are stretched in every direction. He doesn't want us to be stressed out. He said, I have come that they may have life and have life more abundantly. And that's in John. And he said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. It wasn't, try not to be afraid. Try not to be troubled. It was, don't do it. I got this. I've got you. I understand. I see where you are. I care. Do not. And that is so hard to do. So I started looking up all these other people that talked about all these keys to dealing with stress and what you should do. And they had 12 of this and 15 of that. And have you ever been so stressed out that when you see a list of 15, you're like, too many. Right? Too many things to do. Have you ever been at that point where somebody says, oh, and by the way, and you look at them and say, please don't give me one more thing to do. Don't say one more, I don't need one more thing. Don't, don't add nothing to the list. And it's usually something insignificant. It's like the, the feather on the cartoon that lands on the big pile and it all <laughs> But if somebody saying, don't forget Thursday's trash day, and you're like, ah! And all of a sudden you have lost your mind and you're like, what happened to me? Look, I can't deal with a rolling trash can right now. Isn't that awful? But it's the truth. It's, the, it's where we live in this complicated world. So we got to align our instincts to deal with stress. And there were four things in Philippians that I thought were, were pretty interesting and very helpful to me. you got to change your perspective. It is so easy to be consumed by our circumstances, preventing us from seeing things from God's perspective. What you and I are going through at this moment is just that, a moment in time. There is more to come, and you've survived a lot already. Just a moment in time. Philippians says, I have not reached my goal. I am not perfect, but Christ has taken hold of me. That's what you say, Lord, look, things are complicated. I don't know what to do. I need you to take this situation. I'm still in it. i still got to know how to deal with it. But help me guard my heart. Guard my mind. Help me to say what's right. Help me to think the way you want me to think about this situation. You know, I, and when you're dealing with teens a lot, they have a, the, the slang term in the normal Christian church. They say, oh, well, you know, I'm going to flesh out. In other words, they're going to take a moment and say what they think. And that's not where you want to be. Because those create more of those pebbles that you have to deal with later. You want to try to line up your perspective with God's perspective. How does he see it? You know, if it's a financial thing, how does God see it? Well, he says that far more than we could ask or think, okay, Lord, this is where I'm at. Here's what I need. Help me with this. He's got this. It's like I read a story about a guy who said, you know, I, I hired somebody. He goes, I don't worry anymore. And I thought, well, this is an interesting story. Let me read what this guy says. Yeah, I hired somebody to worry for me. And I was like, what? And he goes, yeah, I write down everything I'm worried about, and I send it off to him, and he worries about it for me. And he's like, the guy in the store, the interviewer said, well, how much do you pay this guy? And he said, I pay him $100,000 a year. And he said, oh my gosh, how do you afford that? He said, I don't worry about it. Oh, I didn't worry about it. <laughs> we got to get our perspective in the right place. The second is you got to focus on being thankful. 
I'm not just saying this because uh, I'm in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstance. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. And I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living or in plenty or in want. In Philippians, Paul is telling you, look, no matter what, you need Jesus. No matter what, you need God to help you. No matter what. You know, I did a story at 700 Club one time about uh, lottery winners. And it talked about how people that won the lottery within a year were right back in dire poverty. So no matter what that secret instant solution is you fantasize about, the truth is no matter what circumstance or what place you're in in your life, you still need Jesus. You need him to add perspective to that moment. If it's good, he tells you how to make it great. If it's awful, he tells you how it's going to be better. But you need him in every circumstance. Third, it's the mindset we hold. And it's a choice we make. Paul puts it this way. Finally, my dear friends, keep your minds on whatever is true and pure and holy, friendly and proper. Don't give, don't ever stop thinking about what is truly worthwhile and worthy of praise. In other words, when your mind goes to those places, and you know where they are. Those gloom and doom places. Those places of extreme fear. Those places of extreme worry. Come back around and think about something that God has done for you that is worthwhile and worth thinking about. Find that something. It's funny how quickly God answers a prayer and we move on. We go from one instant to another. And as parents, we always say, if it's one thing after another. So as soon as you get one problem fixed, but mom, what about that? And we're the same way sometimes in our faith and our relationship with God. We're in a situation where we have a need. Lord, please help me. We go from one step to the next. As soon as he helps us with one, we've stepped right into the next need. Take a minute. Get your mindset. Figure out where God is in the situation for you. And fourth... Give it, no matter what it is, over to God. Philippians says, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, when you and I are under a great deal of stress, we need to spend time with God. We get so stressed out, we get so busy with fixing it. I'm a doer. I like to do things. You need something, I'll do it. Sometimes I need to stop and spend time with God. Stop and pray. Stop and talk. Talk in the car. Me and God talk a lot in the car. And it's not about the other drivers around me. It is just genuinely in the car. And he, he went to the garden of, Jesus went to the garden of Gethsemane and he, he was loaded down with stress and he prayed and that's where the battle was won. A lot of people missed that. And when he went to the garden, he prayed. And the prayer made him prepared for what was to come. It put his mind in the right place. He was reminded again what the purpose was. It's through prayer that Christ gives us strength to face anything. So what you really need becomes especially obvious in times of stress and crisis. So I'm asking you to dust it off. Open the book. There's some things in there that are really powerful. The Lord protected the simple-hearted. When I was in great need, he saved me. Your Father knows what you need before you ask him. 
My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. Every single need will be met. Everything that you worry about, everything that concerns you, everything that stresses you out, God is there for you. So I need you to do the same thing that I'm trying to learn and teach myself to do every day. And I've been doing it every day since I became a Christian as a child. Which is bring your burdens, worries, and stress and give it all to Him. And remember with Jesus' invitation to do that. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's acknowledged that we're weary and burdened. And he's also acknowledged that in his humbleness of heart, he cares that we're worried about things that are really kind of silly to him. He loves us, but he's like, you don't need to worry about that. I've got you. You don't, you don't need, I, I'm going to take care of you. I've made my promise to you. And you know something? If you had a, if you treat, if he was like a dear friend to you and he's talking to you and he says, look, I made a promise and have I ever not kept a promise? He's one of the few people in your life you will ever encounter that can honestly say, I have never lied to you and I've never forsaken you. We take people and how they act and we cross-pollinate to God. And we need to be careful with that because there are, he's got promises that he is keeping for you every day. And he's waiting for you to receive them as promises that will be fulfilled. But we have kind of taken our low expectation of people and we've kind of made it a low expectation of God. We need to stop that. Expect big things because he wants to provide big things. Expect him to take care of you. Jesus is saying that when you and I all try to handle stress on our own, the burden becomes too heavy to bear. And we're back to this eight ounces that we walk around with every day. And all of a sudden, you know, we got an elbow problem and a shoulder issue. Can't quite figure out what's the matter. He wants to lift the burden and lighten the load. So for me, I've tried to go a little quicker today, folks. I hope you don't mind, but it's hot in here. But spiritual truth relieves excessively stressful situations. It's kind of the acronym that I've made up for myself this week. That if I can focus on what God has to say, that it's going to relieve some of that excessive stress that we carry around as we try to figure out what to do and how to help and how to be who we need to be in all the situations that we're in. And John reminds us to not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid because he's with you. But we've got to be realistic that there are things that we can't do. There's stuff that we're not called to do. There are times when that magic word no needs to be a part of how we live our lives. And there's some discernment that needs to be used in that situation. But what I'm telling you today is that if you are stressed, if you are uptight, if you're worried, if you're anxious, if you've got things going on that you can't control. And I'm telling you right now, we all do. We all live in a bit of a bubble and there are things we share with people and things we don't. But we've all got our own level of stress that we deal with, whether it's work or home or family or loved one. Whether it's the deep desire of your heart and a passion to do something that just hasn't quite come to fruition yet. No matter what it is. Jesus cares about that. And he cares about you. And he cares about you. You don't earn it. It's been paid for. There is a grace that is offered to us every day 
that we have the choice to accept or not. So my prayer for us today, honestly, is that we can step out of being stressed out and step in to the grace that God has for us each and every day. That's why there's newness every day. It says every morning, the newness will greet you every morning. As your feet hit the floor every day, that's Jesus. That's God saying, here's that newness that I have for you. Yesterday is gone. I had you yesterday. You're here today. Breathe in and out because I got you. And sometimes we have to get to that basic point where we just believe that God cares about us so much that no matter what the day brings, no matter what I think it'll bring, no matter who I think I'll encounter, it really doesn't matter if he's with me. It doesn't matter. Because you're going to have it. You're going to have it in that moment. And just like that guy pounding that shark with his foot, the Jesus in you, in that moment, is going to tell you exactly what you need to do, exactly what you need to say. You haven't had to overthink it. You've just had to pray about it. God, help me today. God, give me the words today. Help my actions to be in line with you today. And just be sensitive to listening to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus, Lord, and I thank you, God, that you care for us so much. I thank you, Lord, that you are trying to help us all, Lord God, to apply you to everyday life. You're you're not just there for us on Sunday. You're there every day of the week. You care about every situation in our lives. You care about where we fall short and where we rise up. God, all those places you care about. I thank you, Lord, that you love us. So God, I pray right now, if anyone is listening, I don't care if they're online, at home, anywhere else, a week later, it doesn't matter. God, if they're listening to my voice right now and there is a need in their life and they need to be delivered and set free, they need to experience peace that surpasses understanding. They need hope. They need to know and confidently expect you are looking out for them and you love and care for them. I pray right now, God, your Holy Spirit would reach into their hearts and touch them. I thank you, Lord God, that all those who are worried that right now you are touching their hearts and minds and you're giving them a peace that surpasses understanding. Bring them to that place, Lord, where they say, I don't know why, but I'm so at peace today. And we know why. It's your presence. But it's funny, Lord, when we experience your peace, we almost get lost and confounded. Because where in the world did that come from? Thank you, Lord, that you love us enough to bear with us in our shortcomings. And to rise us up into who you want us to be. To help us, God, to understand the call that you have on our life. Lord, I pray right now, Father, anyone who's who's listening right now, who's sick or ill or just too weak to just really press on. I pray, God, that there is a strength that comes to them right now. I pray, Lord Jesus, that they just sense your presence. And just as I have felt many times in my life, your loving arms wrap around me. I pray, Lord, you embrace them right now. Help them, God, to know they are never alone. So, Lord, we love you. We need you. And we accept your grace and mercy. And we need you, God, in each and every moment and day and part of our lives, God. We need you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Give the Lord a hand clap. What a powerful message. That's awesome. Well, we're going to get ready to send you out with a song. If you guys like to stand and praise the Lord, this is called A Better Way. It's a song we wrote some time ago. And I tell you what, it is right on time with this message. I hope you guys are blessed with that.
And now we're going to kick it off right now. to our friends online. I hope you guys enjoyed what you heard today. Share the message and be blessed. Amen.